Good evening. So good to have you with us this evening and to uh, be here tonight as we do another episode of Shepherd Talk. This is where uh, we take one of our shepherds and we ask him to speak on a topic that is relevant to us, to our congregation. Kind of the main goal of all of this is so that you can get some insight into the heart of our shepherds here at Oldham Lane and get to see what I and Jake and Blake and Stephanie and others and the staff get to see uh, on a regular basis. And so uh, we're, we're glad to have Clay Peterson with us tonight. I guess before we start, Clay, if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of you know, how long you've been in the eldership and all those things. Uh, Jan and I have been here in Abilene since 1988. We moved here from Snyder after we got married. Uh, we've been at Baker Heights up until 2002. We moved over here, became an elder at 2007, and I have been one ever since. And uh, we have two children, a son in Lubbock and a daughter in Houston. And uh, we just love the work here and the people here and the, the church overall. Just glad to be here. Good deal. Well, thank you, Clay, for being a part of this. Uh, we're talking about vision tonight and something very important to us as individual Christians but also to us as a church. So if you would kind of expand on that, why is vision important? How important, I guess you could say, is vision both to the individual Christian but also to those of us who make up the church? Well, let's start off with a verse out of the scripture. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained." You know, when we think about that a little bit, God has had a plan for us from the very beginning. Even before the world was created, Jesus was with him, and he saw this world that he was going to create and the people he was going to put in it. And he saw the trouble we were going to have, and he saw that he needed to provide for us to have a way back to him. So even God himself has had a vision and a plan for us from the very beginning. You know, he says in Scripture, he says, Before you were born, I knew you. And I'm going to borrow a phrase out of the Old Testament that we kind of misuse sometimes, but he says, the plans I have set for you. You know, I want to take that phrase and say, yeah, it's a Christian. He was talking about the Israelites at that time, but even you and me today, he has plans for us because he says, I have good works that you're supposed to do. I want you to take care of the poor, the sick, the widows, the orphans. I want you to clothe people, feed people, care for people, love people. I want you to share the gospel of my son with people. So he had a plan and a vision, and he had a purpose for us to do those things. Also, when you think about the church, you know, when we talk about the church, we have the church here that meets at Oldham Lane. People drive by the building. We've had some visitors recently that have come in. They want to know who we are and what we're about. And so if we can't communicate some part of the vision of what God wants us to be to those people, they will leave empty. So we have to have some way of showing people that we know who we are and what we're about and where we're going. Uh, God gave us a mission. His mission, of course, Chris has been preaching on this whole year, and, and Jake through our classes, is to, to make and grow disciples. He wanted us to uh, grow ourselves grow in our families, grow in our community, grow in our country, and grow in this world. He wants us to reach out. He gave us a mission. And of course, if we do not have a mission of being the church of Christ, what's the trouble that we would have there? If we don't have a mission, we don't understand God's plan for us, and we don't understand the vision we have for the future of mankind, then we will just become 
a church that is tossed about to and fro by every whim and doctrine that comes to us from man. And so we have to hold tight to God's word. We have to know that he has a vision and a plan for us in the Bible, and we need to hold to that. And members, you know, as part of the church, you need to know what your talents are. You need to know where you can contribute and where you can help and how you can use the God-given talents uh, that you have in helping others and growing the church and helping yourself and your families and our community. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that because I've heard the elders say this. We've said it a lot in uh, Bible classes from the pulpit that I feel like we know who we are here at Oldham Lane. Unfortunately, I feel like the church as a whole in the world is really losing its identity. We don't, we don't know who we are as a whole sometimes. Um, I think it's so important what you just said is that we've got to be able to um, identify who we are. When people walk through our doors, they need to know who we are. And we've always said, for better or for worse, whether we're a thousand or, or five, we're going to continue to be who we think God expects us to be because in the end, that's all that really matters, right? Exactly. You know, and it even extends to us as individuals. Just think about this in our own families. Without a leader in a family and a goal for the family, what happens? You tend to have chaos, no direction. You tend to have trouble that, that invades that family. There's no spirituality a lot of times. A lot of times you're worried about money. You've got no money because you weren't planning. You had no goal. You have no valued relationships because you didn't see it important to mix and mingle with people in your community or your neighbors or even your own family. We don't know sometimes. So having a vision, having a leader and a plan and a goal is very important within the family. Even personally, without an identity of who I am, we ask the questions, will I even go to church? You know, will I be a moral person? Will I be, will I be productive in society or will I be a taker only? You know, we need to think about these things. I'm just reminded of a time, and I'll embarrass Jan a little bit maybe, but when we first got married and moved here in Abilene in 1988, we sat down one evening and we got a piece of paper and we wrote a list. We ended up with 20 things that we wanted to accomplish in life. You know, that was our goals. Well, we stuck that list in a book and we put it up and we forgot about that list actually. But when we found that list about 10 years later, we had accomplished just about every single item on that list. And you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, how did that happen? Well, we sat down and we talked about it. We had a vision for what we wanted to do, things we wanted to accomplish, places we wanted to go, people we wanted to be. And it set in our mind that thought, and that seed was planted within us, and we accomplished those goals, and we didn't let the world deter us. That's really neat. Um... I don't know if our congregation knows that for quite some time, the elders and the staff got together once a quarter. We hadn't done it in a while. We need mm -hmm. to, but uh, we got together for what we called Think Bigger, Do Better meetings, mm -hmm. where the idea was there was no agenda related to normal day-to-day -day activities in the church like they meet about on every Sunday, but rather these meetings would only be thinking about the future, planning, vision, brainstorming, those kind of things. And so we did those, you know, quite often, periodically, we still do. So tell me, what, what role do elders play 
in setting the vision? Because I know you have a lot of things on your plate every time you meet and a limited time when you meet. So where does vision work in and how do you, how do you guys set a vision for the congregation? Well, we understand as our role of elders that the scripture describes us as shepherds. And that's a pretty simple thing for us to think about and see in the world around us and just see how a shepherd leads. A shepherd has to provide for the physical needs of his flock, has to make sure they have food to eat, water to drink, they have protection. Also, um, they have to have guidance, you know, somebody to lead them this way or that way to get to those fields. And so that's what we think about as, as an eldership is how are we going to be able to lead the people? How are we going to be able to protect the people as a shepherd? How are we going to be able to defend the people as a shepherd? And we want to be sure that we do that by, as I talk about sometimes, is lead like Jesus. And how do we lead like Jesus? Well, our goal as a church and as an eldership is to seek and save the lost. We want to be sure we do that. We want to train and teach men to lead. We want to do this with kindness, compassion, and mercy. And we always want to speak the truth in love, teaching, mentoring, and correcting. And those are the things that we, we think about is how can we get people to read the Bible, come to Bible class, how to provide services for us to edify one another, build each other up. You know, that's why we do what we do is to provide an opportunity for the family to grow with one another and to be encouraged by the Word of God constantly. So we look at those things that we have an opportunity to do. But you know, one of the things that an eldership has to do is it can be, be fine and great for the eldership to meet in its uh, elders room and talk about a lot of things, but if we never communicate with the flock and we never tell them we're going to this field for good food or we're going to this water because it's the living water that Jesus talks about, then we haven't done a very good job. So we have to communicate. And through our communication, we have to be encouraging people. You know, we want to encourage one another to participate in the blessing that God has given us in salvation. We need to inform. We need to let you know what we're thinking on ideas, how we stand on different doctrinal issues. And so you will know. We need as an eldership to cry with you when it's time to cry with you. And we need to celebrate with you when it's time to celebrate with you. We need to provide an atmosphere of love, respect, and trust. One of the greatest blessings the eldership has is to work with a couple who's struggling and to create an environment where they say, thank you, you didn't come and beat us over the head with the Bible. You came and you met us, you discussed our problem and our struggles, you helped us see the fallacy in our thinking, you loved us, you cared for us, and today we're a better, stronger couple for it. We have to provide that atmosphere of love, respect, and trust. We also have to make sure that the flock and even the eldership guards against complacency. You know, there's a phrase we use, we don't want to rest on our own laurels. And that means our past accomplishments, our successes, those, those laurel wreaths that we get for winning the prize in a race. 
We don't want to rest on those, which means we have to constantly check what we're doing. Are we constantly in tune with Scripture? Are we drifting? Do we need to come back? What's going on? We have to constantly challenge every day that we're in God's Word and doing His will. I wrote this down. It says, What is new becomes old, yet old seems to always become new. What I'm saying there is that there's nothing new under the sun, as Scripture says. We do the same things over and over, just different ways. And things are tried at different times and they work, then you have to set them aside because they've lived their life at that moment. And then we try different things. So the vision is to make and grow disciples, to seek and save the lost. Yet the processes we, we use will change periodically as we see those needs develop. So when an eldership does these type of things, we'll know the flock really well. We'll know where you hurt. We'll know where you're weak in the spiritual doctrinal issues and we need to strengthen you in teaching. We'll know how we can uh, help you grow and stay in your faith. And so we need to listen. We need to observe. We need to learn. We need to provide. And we need to account. And then we need to repeat that process over and over, constantly. This will help us plan for our training our classes, uh, reinforce those needs. It helps us decide what resources we need as a congregation. And it helps us take advantages of the opportunities and the doors that uh, come before us. I was talking to, to Mike before the class, and he says, well, I hope you don't use the phrase, God shut the door, but let's open the window. Uh, and I'm going, I've never heard that phrase. <laughs> but, you know, it makes, it makes sense. Sometimes God shuts a door, and he intends for us to move in a different direction. He doesn't want us to keep fighting at that house. And we can be a stubborn people sometimes and, and think maybe we have to have it our way or we have to accomplish this or we have to do that specific thing. And God's saying, no, I want you to really do this. So we have to be in tune with that. And then getting to know you, loving on you, meeting with you, talking with you, that's how we can help. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll brag on our elders for just a moment. Um, this weekend... Uh, this is the third year in a row that I've been uh, the tournament director for the Cat Claw Classic, which is a basketball tournament we have at Wiley. And so uh, I spend three days at the gym from morning till night watching basketball, making sure that everything runs smoothly. It puts me out of doing just about anything else. And one of our members here sent me a text, uh, I guess it was Friday night, saying that there was a, a, a lady that uh, she knew very well from Foster's Home for Children, they had an acquaintance there that was in the hospital at Hendrick, and nobody was up there with them. Could, could I or someone go up there and sit with the family or make sure that they're okay and check on them? Well, I was, like I said, tied up. I couldn't get away. So I sent a, a, a text message out to the group of shepherds to see if anybody could go up there. And within about 10 minutes, just about all of you guys had responded and three of you said that you would be up there. Of course, one of our own went in there as well, Randy Nicholson. Three of you said that you would go up there. I think two or three others said, I can come if you need me to. A couple were out of town. But that, I think that says a lot for our shepherds that they are people first. And uh, I believe that's important with uh, shepherding because you can have all the programs and all the planning and do budget and all that. But if, right. if the people aren't uh, shepherded well, then that's a problem. So. People are first. 
processes come second. Yeah, I like that. Uh, people first and process. You just have to drop things and go deal with people when they're hurting and when they're celebrating. I mean, we have good times and, and sad times, and we want to be sure we're there for both times. Well, if you would, as we kind of circle around here and kind of mm -hmm. wrap a bow on all this, mm -hmm. if you would speak a little bit to kind of what, speak for the shepherds, if you would, a little bit about what our vision here at Oldham Lane is kind of kind of going forward and, and what we are planning, because we're, I'm sure that those of you here tonight have noticed we've, we've got a, a growing congregation here. So yeah. how are we going to handle that? What is our vision for the future? Well, you told me you were going to ask that kind of question, and so what I did was I thought, oh, man, how, what, what, what have we decided? <laughs> no, no, I'm, seriously. I went back and I looked in my computer because I keep a lot of things in my computer system. And in April the 25th of 2007, we had a report from a vision planning committee. This was titled Future Plans for Oldham Lane Church of Christ. And there were 22 men that met for a whole quarter on Wednesday night and let me guide their thought process on future plans for Oldham Lane. And this was in 2007. And I just want to share a few of them with you to give you a sense of what what we put on that report and kind of what we have accomplished. One was we wanted to involve members from willing to do sheets and to communicate with members. Well, we have updated our process I don't know how many times to make sure that we let you know the areas of work through our willing to do forms. And we would like for you to fill those out and turn those in so that can information can get back to our deacons. But to our deacons, we have to make sure that they are picking up that information and contacting you and utilizing you or informing you of when you can be utilized in that area of work so that you have a sense of attachment and involvement. But we have improved that process from what we did then to what we do now. It's millennial light years ahead of it. So we accomplished at least something there maybe. Another thing we did was we wanted to expand the education programs to train young men and women about their respective roles in the church and home. Well, two things that we have had for the last several years is Chris has, runs the preacher's training camp and several of the women here run Shine for the young women. So the preacher's training camp has been very successful in taking about 25 boys and training them in the thought process of preaching and teaching. Whether they ever become a preacher or just a teacher or a leader in the church someday, they'll at least understand what goes into that. The young women, they're being trained on the things that scripture shows them how to be a strong woman in the Lord, how to serve the church, how to serve their families, and their place and role. We're both equal in God's sight in our salvation and our hope of eternal life, but he gave us different roles. So we've got the preacher training camp and shine camp that came out of this. Um, we wanted to uh, create a fertile field of evangelism at Dice Air Force Base in ACU. Well, we've kind of missed on Dice. That's an area that, that we haven't focused on a lot because Baker Heights focuses on that area a lot. But that's an area where we can improve. But our university outreach has gotten much better. Our university class has grown. In fact, it's developed with our young people so much that we're even having to consider a young professionals class uh, as well. So, you know, that is growing and is being led by some deacons who are interested in that age group and are very passionate about that. 
Um, hire, hire an involvement minister. Well, everybody knows Jake, right? Uh, he's our involvement minister. We got that thing uh, taken care of by hiring him. Um, one of the things we committed to in that group was committing, committed to missions and our mission outreach. And so we committed to staying in missions as a church and made that a very important priority for Oldham Lane. And so our Ghana work, we have WBS, World Bible School, we've got Africa, we've got South, uh, South America, we've got the U.S., we've got local works going on. So we want to continue to working and expanding our missions. And that was a commitment that we made that regardless of whatever happened, we wanted to commit to outreach through missions. We also talked about expansion needs, oddly enough, in 2007, that we needed more classrooms, we needed a new auditorium, we needed fellowship area, safe play area. Well, part one, right after this, we added on about 250 seats across the back of the auditorium. And that was our first phase. Then the second phase of our growth has come to adding our fellowship. More classrooms and new offices has given us more room to have more classes. And the third phase, it's actually on the plans that we looked at for this building, is at some future point, maybe having to add a new auditorium onto the other side and converting this place into a chapel and five classrooms. Clay, if I can stop you, you also, uh, you might were going to say this, but we also bought a lot of acreage around us because we didn't want to become landlocked, which is a big yes. vision thing, but 90 yes, acres. We did because we were having a hard time expanding, and the opportunity came up, and we were able to acquire all the land around us. So we have about 20 acres platted for the church area and 70 acres that's in farmland that can be a future use to the congregation here at some point. Um, we talked about adding deacons. We talked about installing elders, and we've grown from five to nine elders over that since 2007. We talked about Oldham Lane's name recognition in the community. Well, we've had a huge impact with that with our media outreach through Facebook, Chris on the TV program, um, the internet, our websites, uh, the apps that you see. Those kind of things are being very, very well utilized. Our Chris's lessons on YouTube, you know, so we're, we're not only sharing, capturing it here and introducing ourselves, but like these YouTube lessons, a church in Canada, for example, that doesn't have a preacher can log on and play Chris's sermons for their congregation. That couldn't happen a few years ago, but we've made plans, we talked about it, and now we're doing it. So we've accomplished things like that. Um, you know, development of our song leaders and our teachers, those kind of things. Jake's working with that uh, on our teachers and education in our classrooms. And uh, Kevin works with our song leaders to continually improve and, and encourage our song leaders. And as you probably noticed here, we've got an immense amount of, of good song leaders. We're a blessed congregation with that. You know, so that's just an example. Uh, one of the things that was on here in the last paragraph that I thought was kind of interesting for you to know is that we have identified some counselors in town that are Christian-based, biblically-based counselors, that if a family has a need, that we as elders are not counselors. We talk about spiritual things, but some things is beyond us. We have that available. So if you ever have a need like that, I want you to know that that is available to you. Just see one of the elders. You know, that was 2007, and a lot's been completed since then. 
And we haven't even revisited looking at this list since then. We've just, like Jana and my's list, have accomplished these things because we talked about it. We planted the seed in our head and we have ideas to act upon. But also in, uh, when was it? April of 2013 or September 2013, something like that, we came out with another Vision 2020 vision for Oldham Lane. So the last seven years or six years, we've been operating under an, another vision. You know, and it's very similar to what we talked about in that committee, but listen to this introductory paragraph. If we're not growing, we're either sitting still or moving backward. As the Lord's church, we should persistently seek to grow both individually and collectively. Our mission is to equip the saints, Ephesians 4.12, to make disciples, Matthew 28.19 and 20. Growth must occur inwardly and outwardly. The body of Christians that meet at Oldham Lane have devised an eight-year strategic plan focusing on how we can improve in areas of service, training, discipleship, maintaining our commitment to God and His Word while seeking to build for the future. It's our supreme desire to worship God in spirit and in truth, as John 4:24 says, and to take the gospel beyond the walls of this church building to spiritually impoverished, to the spiritually impoverished of Abilene. May God bless us in this effort. More importantly, may we bless God by our efforts. And how did we do that? What was in this vision for the last six years that we've been working under? Chris, you did a real good job helping us think about some of these things as an eldership. Jake and Chris and Blake and them, they contribute stuff they experience and people they see and places they go, they contribute and share things with us that we need to consider as well. But for example, when he called it for us, reaching in. And how do we do that? We want to make sure none of the flock falls in the cracks. And that's part of our small group process, getting to know one another in our small groups. That's part of the prime timer process. That's part of the solo servants process. That's part of our class process, is having times besides our worship service for us to get to know one another better and understand who has a hurt, who has a care and a need that needs to be addressed. We don't want anyone to feel like that they've been left out or they haven't been paid any attention to. We want to make sure no one is invisible. We want to always greet people as they come and go. We don't want somebody to be able to sneak in on the back row and leave and us not ever know they were here. We want to be aware of our visitors and our members who are missing. I know in the solo servants class, I would always encourage them, look around who's not with us today. Go home this afternoon and contact them to see if they have a need. Check on them. We need to do that in the areas that we set in the congregation. Check on the people you see missing. Get to know the people around you. We want to build leaders. We're trying to do that through our classes, uh, through the preacher training camp, starting with our young people. We have opportunity for men to learn to grow as teachers and speakers. Uh, you might even learn to be a good uh, Bible study person from that if you don't want to stand in front of a crowd. But we want to encourage that and make opportunity for that. We want to strengthen the families as well through opportunity to work together in community outreach programs as a family, to work on projects here like Fall Festival as a family and serving our community. That's a great way for our families to get involved. At this time, we talked about continue to improve our facilities or add to meet the growth of our congregation. 
Well, we have done that. That part has been accomplished now. Now we're going to be looking at what's the next part in the future over the next 10 years. We want to reach out to the city. How can we get involved in evangelizing our community in a more effective way? How can we as a, a church, when we leave here, integrate ourselves in community activities and, and places in our community events that we can have an influence as a Christian to be that shining light uh, to our community? We want to work on domestic missions. We want to constantly work on sharing the gospel message here in the United States. And we want to work on our global mission. We've expanded into South America recently. We're in Africa. WBS, we're working in, Vic tells me, in India, the continent of Africa, Ghana, the U.S. through our jail and ministry programs. But it has a large outreach. So we want to diversify uh, our global missions as well. But we also want to reach up to God, and how do we do that? We want to worship. We want to make sure our worship services are scriptural, that they're edifying, that they're uplifting for one another, that they're participative by each one of us. We want to serve God the way he wants to be served, and that's the way his scripture tells us. We, on Wednesday evenings, I love Wednesdays because it's the middle of the week of a tough week of fighting the world. We get to come together, but that's a great time of fellowship and Bible study. But it's also a great time where we've encouraged the growth of our young men to speak, practice leading singing, practice saying prayer. So us older gray-haired folks, and I'm becoming one of you quite, quite well, it's falling out too, um, you know, we need to be encouraging to these people, uh, these young folks, when they do that, and be here to support them because, you know, they are what are going to be the church when we're not here. And we have to make sure that they are prepared for that. Bible study. Our Bible classes have improved. Uh, our concept of, of our class structures, our, our uh, content and our lessons, we make sure that they're Bible-focused and that all the lessons are derived out of the Scripture themselves and not from some man's book somewhere. Uh, workshops and seminars. We want to continue to provide our, our, like our winter series and our summer series and those kind of things to bring people from outside in so we can hear other preachers and be encouraged that there are other people wanting to serve God in a godly way and in a very effective way. So that was 2020. So, you know, where does that bring us? That brings us up to what do we see for the next few years? Well, as opposed to getting into a very detail specific, I'll just say real quickly. Oldham Lane, we're going to be focused on the truth of God's word, teaching and sharing truth, no matter what the world throws at us. We're going to stand firm on the truth in scripture and God's word. We're going to train and mentor and grow the next generation of church leaders who will remain faithful to the Bible and to God's word that he gave us. We're going to continue growing by making and growing disciples through local evangelistic outreaches. We're going to work more on that and improve that. We're going to have new domestic and foreign mission fields for the congregation to get involved with and to be involved with and to support. We're going to increase our efforts in being Christ in our community. And Jake has done a real good job about opening doors like working at the Feast of Sharing and some of our community events serving an underprivileged elementary school here in town. 
We're going to continue to develop programs to serve the needs of you, our members. And as we know one another, we know what those needs are. And again, because of the growth and the blessing that God has given us, we'll have to investigate what's next for facilities. You know, we'll have to make sure we have the resources available to, to serve the membership and to serve our community. Because as Oldham Lane said in 2007 at our meeting there, we want to become a beacon of light, shining love and truth to our community, a place where people can come and feel loved and safe and secure in God and their salvation and their hope of eternal life, which is what we all want. You know, what's really neat about what you just read off there in the next 10 or 20 years is a lot of it had the word continue in it. That sounds like we're doing some pretty good stuff. We just need to continue doing pretty good stuff and continue to raise the spiritual bar. So I, I like that. You know, all these elders have a unique personality like all of us do. And I said to Eddie before we started, you know, if Clay is anything, he's thorough. And I appreciate <laughs> that. I think that comes from your financial expertise and all of that. But uh, My wife said don't talk too much. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate you so much because, the, like I said, the goal of this above anything is to give you insight into the heart of our shepherds, but also to relay some information that I think is important. I don't think you hear from our elders enough, so I think it's great. And thank you so much, Clay, mm -hmm. uh, for being with us tonight. And, and I want you to know that our, our shepherds always are accessible. So if you have anything that you'd like to talk to them about, questions or anything like that, they are readily available, and they'll make time to meet with you. That's one thing they're really, really good at. But thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we want to wrap up with an invitation. Mike's going to lead us in a song, and you know, to echo what I just said, if you have a need, you want to you know, uh, have uh, a prayer, or if you'd like to uh, you know, uh, begin a daily walk with God and you know, talk about that and maybe set up a Bible study, or maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, we want to conclude every service with an invitation, and, and what we say every week is don't leave here without being right with God. So if you have a need, come as we stand and as we sing.